American girls and American guys will always stand up and salute. We'll always recognize when we see old glory fly. There's a lot of men dead, so we can sleep in peace at night when we lay down our heads. My daddy served in the army, we lost his right eye, but he blew a flag out in our yard. Till the day that he died, he wanted my mother, my brother, my sister and me to grow up and live happy in the land of the free. Now this nation that I love is... Welcome back to The Real Voices of the Game. I'm Dave D'Agostino, joined here by... Our host and star of this show, Kevin Kernan, America's most beloved sports writer, our resident Hall of Famer. This is Coach and Kernan, also joined today by the star of A Day at the Yard, Common Sense Pitching, Wiley and Will, Will George here. We're without the, the great Sal Marinello. He snowed in up in New Jersey today, so he won't be with us this morning. This is episode 448 on our network. want to just thank a couple of people before we start. Jaw Bats, RBG at checkout will get you a discount on their great maple bats the latest certified bat in Major League Baseball, one of our newest partners. Also want to thank Millions. Our merchandise dropped yesterday. Some nice hoodies for men and women, some nice T-shirts as well, and then a baseball cap on there. We did get some Florida requests for dry fits, Kevin. I had a couple text me nice. and said, we don't, we don't wear cotton down in Florida. We wear dry fits. So I said, I'm working on that, working on it. So, um, you know, the, the voting has stopped for the two podcast awards. So all votes are cast. We're lucky to be nominated for those two. We thank our 67,000 and growing. And with that, uh, Kevin, welcome back to your show. Glad to have you. I know you had a great uh, the, the article that you wrote this past week connecting the Super Bowl. Um, I, I, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how to. I wrote that in the Facebook and it's kind of me thinking out loud, like how? Um, and uh, I loved your response to it, though. Yeah, exactly. God leads me to these stories sometimes, you know, and uh, that's called Super Genes. It's on it, ball9.com. Heartily uh, recommend it. It's, it. People just were over the moon about it. Um, first off, nice intro with Toby Keith. You know, we all appreciated what he did. Um, you know, R.I.P. R.I.P. Tony, uh, Toby. Uh, great music. But Super Genes was uh, G-E-N-E-S. And there's so much, unfortunately, there's so, much, there's so many new uh, Super Bowl stories. But how many Super Bowl stories are actually readable? You know, and obviously with baseball. So I wanted to try to come up with a Super Bowl angle with a baseball angle. And, and luckily I did. And it's through people I know put me in touch with this guy. Um, uh, and, and, and basically just a, a brief outline of the story. Uh, McCaffrey's grandfather, Dave Sim, rhymes with rim. The E is silent. It's S-I-M-E. He was a tremendous, tremendous athlete, uh, um, Olympic, uh, should have won a gold medal in the 100 meters. You know, first time he ran in the 100 meters, the record at the time was 9.3. And the first time he ran it in practice, he was 9.8. So what a natural athlete he was. Um, he, won the, he won the silver in the 60 Olympics. He was 24. He should have won the gold in 56, but he went horseback riding for the first time in his life and 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 ripped the groin muscle when the horse fell or something. And you know, it was kind of one of those wacky things that happens. And, um, but he was a great baseball player. He played at, at Duke freshman year, set the AC, you know, he led the ACC in hitting. And so uh, 
fast as hell. Um, so I, I actually tracked down a guy who played with him in Little League and a guy named Jack Kaiser. Great memory, 86 years old. Story's phenomenal. Just how this guy, his life went on, Dave Sim. And he, he eventually became one of the greatest eye doctors out there, you know, and surgeons. And um, um, he became a team doctor for the um, Dolphins. And he did every, you know, he did surgery or, and worked on eyes from everybody from Ted Williams to Nixon to, uh, to it's just an amazing life story. And, it you know, it wouldn't have, you know, he basically, he was offered $65,000 to sign with the New York Giants, baseball Giants. This was back in, uh, you know, 50s. And um, and he decided not to sign. He was going to use that money for med school. But then he just decided now uh, he, he was going to, you know, he, he, and he was a great football player. His first game for Duke. He, first time he touched the ball, first play of the game, he was a lonesome end. He, he scored a touchdown. Second time he touched the ball, he scored another touchdown. And Vince Lombardi tried to recruit him at West Point. They found out he was colorblind because he wanted to be a, a pilot. And uh, and back then, that's where you went. If you were a pilot, you went in the Army. There was no Air Corps at that point. And uh, uh, basically, so, so yeah, it's almost like I'm, Dave, it's like I'm making this stuff up, right? It sounds fake, you know. But that's what we were once as a country with people like this. And uh, this is how Christian McCaffrey got his speed and his explosiveness. And Dave was a big guy, 6'3". So imagine finding out, you know, he played in uh, – he, he was from Fairlawn, New Jersey, played in a little league that played in Ridgewood, but he played with a Hawthorne team. It's a little convoluted. But Jack Kaiser was a good athlete himself, went to William Patterson when it was back, Patterson State Teachers College. Uh, threw a no-hitter, got in their Hall of Fame. So this is a – it's a phenomenal story. That's all I can say. And uh, usually I'm pretty uh, humble with these stories. But nobody came up with anything like this during the it – was, it was absolutely the best Super Bowl story uh, slash baseball you could ever imagine. And um, I'm still hearing from people on it. So it's out there. And I'm, I'm glad for your comments. And, and uh, you know, Will knows a lot of uh, great athletes in the day. But I, I'm sure – when you read this stuff, it, it, you just feel great about the country, you know, at this yeah. time, because that's the kind of guy this guy was. And, and um, you, you know, it, 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 we see what's going on with some of these athletes today. You know, Kelsey, I'm, I'm not going to get deep into this, but, you know, barreling into Andy Reid. Give me a break. You know what he's got now, though? He's got a lifetime picture. Yeah, I, that, that picture of him screaming at Reid, is going to follow him everywhere. And like he said in his own commercials, you know, uh, you can do two things at once. So I guess you can win the Super Bowl and still act like an ass, you know. So so that, that's, that's, that's my thought on that. Uh, but um, two things at once, you know. So uh, I feel bad for young athletes. Um, you know, every, every 30 seconds we had to switch to a uh, – and again, I have nothing against the Swifty, you know, uh, but do we got to see her 50 times, you know, I mean, watching the game? I guess we do. I guess that's what we've become as a country. So but that's fine. It's fine. It is what it is. Uh, Mahomes won the, won the day with the Super Bowl. Um, McCaffrey, was, McCaffrey got sabotaged. You know, he, he fumbled on that one drive. But I, then I thought he got sabotaged by his own coach, you know, Kyle Shanahan. I thought he did a terrible job. He ran the ball more. 
uh, run the ball more and also use that little – you know, Mahomes is great at this pass play, and so is Purdy, uh, where you kind of roll out and the running back figures out, okay, I'm, I'm either going to block or I'm going to just throw the little dink pass. They did it one time, one time, and it ran down the sidelines. It was a huge play. They, This is what's happening. I'm telling you right now, guys, what's happening in baseball is now happening in football. Instead of taking what's working, like Bruce Bochy did in one World Series, Shanahan had to show how smart he was. And Tony Robbins had to say every time, oh, what a brilliant design by Shanahan. Just do the little dink pass. You would have, you would have, you would have, combination run and dink pass, you would have blew out the Chiefs. You would have blew them out. But but these coaches all want to be super smart. And, uh, you know, it fired me up because I felt bad for uh, the 49ers because, and they had some injuries, you know, the green laundry was tough. But, uh, but I'm not taking anything away from the Chiefs. They they won. They they deserved it. Andy Reid is a great coach. Uh, Kelsey can catch passes. And uh, Mahomes, again, here's another thing. How does this happen with both the Ravens and, and the 49ers? How in the world do they not spy Mahomes? You got to keep a guy on him all the time. They, they turn their back. He goes for 15 yards. And then taking the ball in overtime with the new new rules that are two years new, uh, you're basically telling Mahomes, okay, you're setting Mahomes up for the win because no matter what you do, Mahomes knows what he has to do. And in that situation, you're giving them an extra down because they're going to go forward down on everything at that point. So it was like one major mistake after another by the 49ers uh, from a strategy standpoint. But we see it in baseball, too. Same thing with the Diamondbacks. They made, you know, having to start a, uh, start a World Series game with a bullpen game. That turned the series. These analytics, they've, they've jumped the shark. There's so much. And by the way, I'll leave a last comment here, and then I'll throw it to you guys. Shohei Itani, you know, gets out on the field yesterday, takes 21 swings, hits 11 over the fence. It's Arizona. Don't get too excited. It's the ball flies out there, but you know, obviously he's been hitting all you know for quite a while. But did you know, guys, that he he actually reached 109 miles per hour on his exit velocity? Wow, forget it. You know what? Forget it. That's all I got to say. Forget it. If sports are, you know, they've jumped the shark, and uh, I'll hang in there for a little more with them. But I'd rather go for a walk on the beach or do whatever I got to do now than watch some of this garbage. You were actually watching golf a little bit during the Super Bowl. I right. like Hoff. I, yeah, because Hoffman, the kid, uh, he's not a kid. He's 47. He went to Poway High School when I used to live in San Diego. Very, very humble guy. Very humble guy. And you got a one-turner. I think he's Canadian. Humble guy. The golf guys, are, uh, they still they still treat each other with respect, even though it was the wasted management. You know, they get a little wild out there with the fans. And I guess that's a new thing. All the frat boys come out and just start screaming at golfers and They've kind of embraced it because they have the stadium there, and it's a 16th hole and all around there. Uh, but you, when you see 400 pound guys sliding down the hill in the mud, it's not it's not my father's PGA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, go ahead. Sorry, you had your hand up. Oh no, I I, I was you know Sal sent us that TikTok video from uh, Brady's podcast. He had Steve Young on this morning, which um, <clears throat> I think they they as veteran tremendous great players who were very smart and very very much students of the game very reflectively spoke about the same issues we talk about in baseball in 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 important situations because everything is analytically done 
if the quarterback goes to the line of scrimmage and he can't read a defense, why does he run a play? It's the same thing as pitch selection where where they they look at their wristband or their hat and they throw a certain pitch because a piece of paper tells them that's what the pitch should be. And they, you know, him and Young both said, you know, the play is called in because of the, you know, analytically that's the number, the, the, probably the best chance. But once they line up and it's not the, the defense that it said, why do these guys go through with the plays? And like, I always, you know, I was an, an Eagles fan, as you guys know, and I remember the year the Eagles lost to um, the Patriots in Jacksonville. And Andy Reid um, was really late getting all the plays into McNabb. And it always left him in a bad place, whereas Brady would break the huddle and he would come to the line of scrimmage and read the Eagles' defense and be able to change plays and this was, you know, it was quite a while ago, but, you know, the NFL has always been a little bit more analytic before we were, I think, in, in baseball even uh, from that. But it was just, uh, you know, I I think we see it all over sports. And, you know, you Dave, you talk about it in basketball too, where, you know, where, where, where analytics is and, and, and what did, Steve Young say reflexive. It's just, you know, you know, we need to be students and be able to react to what's going on and not just be a robot that's told what to do. And you see in the offseason too, Will, with the lack of free agent signings. Yeah. They're all, they're all, uh, they're all I don't know what they're doing. They're reading their analytics and they can't yeah. make a decision. Yeah. Well, about over 120 guys still haven't signed. So. You know, and, and 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 that's not fair to these guys who have families. They don't know where they're going to be for spring training yet. Good luck trying to go find a place in Florida and Arizona right now to put your family. I mean, my gosh, it, it, it's like, you know, and 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 I get it. I you know, there's teams that don't have these. The you know, baseball's a little bit of a mess with that, with the TV contracts that still haven't been settled, and you know that that's a lot of revenue that's, that's not going to come in to teams. So uh, I, you, you know, until they get that thing straightened out, it's, it's a mess, but you know, we're five days out from people reporting and they're, they're, how many players, way too many players still out there. I, I would have to imagine Scott Boris, who controls the vast majority of the big, big namers, understands what, what you were talking about, Kevin, in, in our pre-show too, and, and Will, where these guys can't pull the trigger. They can't make the decision. It, it is like the quarterback stepping to the line, except now it's, you know, pitchers and catchers start time right. there, and they can't read the read the defense, so to speak. Right. But, uh, oh, he's, he's playing with them big time, and he'll get the yeah. biggest contracts, and he'll do it again next year. Yeah, he does it every year. I mean, he holds out, and somebody eventually – almost in all cases pays him what his player he thought was worth. Somebody panics at the end. Because yeah, he knows there's a, they, it, it's his, you know, they need players. And yeah. he, pro- he knows that tipping point without a doubt. We, you were talking decision-making with basketball. I, I, I got asked probably a zillion questions about that interaction between Andy Reid 
and Travis Kelsey. And, uh, and, and so I just put it up on Facebook and I let people go at it and was curious to see which direction it went. It, it went everywhere, but <laughs> where I thought it would, it went to gender. It went to race. Oh, it went course. to man against man, like type of thing. And, uh, I was the first, my first thought when I, when I saw it is two, two things came to mind first. Well, three, actually, Andy Reid doesn't deserve that. Why the, f- I, I'm going to say it. I'm, why the fuck are cameras that close to them on the sideline? Right. That's, that's private. And three, it's, I wonder what he said to him to wake his ass up. Cause he only had like one catch up to that point. Cause he took him out. He had taken him out for a couple plays before that. And, uh, my sons asked me about that. Have you ever had a player come at you? And I said, not like that. I said, I would have probably drilled him. And then I asked them, I said, what would, what would it have been like if Andy Reid chased him down on the bench and stuck his head in his head and knocked him and pushed him? Right. He would have been suspended. Right. Um, Woody Hayes. Yeah. Been fired. Yep. Um, you know, Knight, uh, you know, all, it's that he would have been fired. So I threw that at some people uh, on that were questioning me. But I, I take it back to what you guys are talking about, analytics and decision making. The, the, the one time that I felt like a guy really – came back at me hard. I wanted him to. And it was because he wanted me to joystick him the analytics way. And I wanted him to make decisions. So I just kept jumping him, jumping him, jumping him, jumping him until he finally blew up. And he said, I fucking got it. I got it. It's like, well, it's a goddamn about time, about time. Now I can coach other players today. And, uh, but yeah, I, I, I uh, all that you're saying, it, it kind of wrapped up in that, that one story. And, uh, I, I, I was disappointed with the sec with the second half. I'm not a football coach. I never have been. Um, but when they came out in the second half and of their first 12 plays, nine of them were pass plays. I just put my hands in my head. You got the best player in the NFL, Christian McCaffrey. If you're going to go down, go down with him. They did the same. You know, I, I think we got to give Spags some credit, the defense yeah. coordinator. Oh, they were tough. Yeah, because he did the same thing to the Ravens. He, he, he sucked these guys into thinking that they could beat him another way, and he took away their best weapon. And uh, – Again, it gets back. I, I guarantee you it's all analytics. It's all analytics instead of letting players decide. Um, and, and also, what is he, he you know, he, he disguises his blitzes. They run the blitzes. Um, so, it, it you know, uh, Purdy doesn't have as much time as he should have. And it, it forces him to some early throws. Also, Chris Jones made two or three plays where he got in Purdy's way on big plays uh, that, that, yeah. that negate, negated big, big, big plays. So, so when you see that, it's the old story. You just go to the vacated area or you do something quick or you, or you, the simplest, you do a backyard play there. You just do a backyard play. You tell McCaffrey, just leak out. I'll get you the ball. And you flip it over to him and nobody's staying with McCaffrey for those first four or five yards. Don't. And I'm not talking about the play that they did use where they, they threw quite a few, I guess, guess you would call them like a wide screen, yeah. Where he sets back. No, you want him in motion. You want him moving. And uh, it, it's, but I see the same thing when I watch baseball and it drives me absolutely insane. Why aren't they moving the runner over? Why aren't they bunting here? Why aren't they hitting to the other side? Why aren't they stealing a base? You know how many bases could have been stolen this year? But they're all, fro- and I think, Will, you hit on something. It, it's like uh, they, they, they're just frozen in the moment and they, they can't make decisions and everybody's afraid to make a decision. Except for, and again, we come back to him again, time and time again. Bruce Bochy wasn't afraid to make any decisions. Uh, and you know, he, when you, he crushed everybody in the playoffs. When you go think for yourself and do the homework and have a feel for what's right and what's wrong, uh, you play 
you make a pitch with conviction as a pitcher. You call a pitch with conviction as a catcher. As a quarterback, you call a play with conviction because you've read the defense. Uh, conviction gives you the opportunity to perform at a high level because you're going to be confident that you're doing the right thing on that play. And, you know, you know, the, going back to Kansas City, one of the, you know, because Mahomes is so good, uh, you mentioned Spags in that defense. My gosh, they were they were unbelievable from the you know the last last of the season all the way through the playoffs. Nobody could do anything against them. I mean, you know that's what won them the Super Bowl. And I will say, Mahomes said our defense holds teams until we can get going. Exactly, See, that, and, that, and we figure something out. That's why I love Mahomes because it ain't all about him. Kelsey, on the other hand, you know, he thinks he's bigger than the game. So he can be that disrespectful to Andy Reid, who I know he probably does love, but in the moment, because he's such a big shit that he can go embarrass his head coach like that. That's embarrassing is what it was. No, yeah, yeah, Yeah. You're a great player. But you aren't bigger than the game of football. There's a lot of great players in the NFL. That, that's a good point, Will. I, I, that was an adage that I always felt was important, whether I was a player or a coach, that coaches would tell me, and I carried it over, I'll never show you up, but you don't show me up either. And there's a lot of different ways to show up. He took it to an extreme yeah. by, uh, by, by doing what he did. Well, that- and Andy Reid also, it shows his greatness because he didn't let it like blow up even worse. He kind of rolled with it um, and, and figured, let's win this game first here. But I guarantee you there's a conversation at some point. Kelsey's coming into that uh, that office, and they're not talking about uh, State Farm Insurance. No. You know, no. Uh, and also, that's the other thing. Is this going to be part of the new commercial branding of, of Kelsey? Are we going to see him every commercial now? Uh, the guy who barreled into his coach and screamed at him and yelled at him and embarrassed him and humiliated the game. I mean, you know, he doesn't need any more money. He's got all the money in the world. And uh, especially from, uh, you know, the the two things at once. Um, But, but it's, it's just that it's such a battle now for coaches to stay ahead of the bad, the bad, bad actors. This is just another, uh, this is just another X factor that is really um, hurts the game, and um, it's it's really sad for football. And it, it, I I watch a lot of football this year. I love football, and of course they got the highest ratings ever. I'm not saying so. Don't 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 give me the oh, old man yelling at clouds. Everybody's watching. Yeah, they're watching because it's become a cultural event. It's a yeah. cultural event. Everybody on Super Bowl Sunday has a little party. They all watch. But I tell you what, I didn't enjoy that game to be honest. Uh, uh, the, the 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 first half was nothing first but half commercial. Was was it's like a preseason game. Yeah, I, I you know I had my calculator out figuring out the you know they were making they were making thirty five million dollars after every three and out. Well, that's what I was doing. I was the, the, the first half was was horrible. That was I didn't terrible. watch one commercial because I was bouncing back to the golf every time they went to commercial. So I was proud of myself for that. And I would recommend more people to do that. It's easy to do nowadays. And um, 
or bounce back to whatever you want. You could bounce back to everybody who loves Raymond. I don't care what you bounce back to. You know, and, you know, it used to be a thing too, where you watch the commercials because they were entertaining. Then they're I not see, good now. They yeah, I did see some good. of them afterwards. It's 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 every washed up former actor, or or maybe even still successful, just being uh, egomaniac again. And right. it's just, that's what we, that's where we are as a country. It's very sad, and uh, you know, I'm glad it's baseball season. That's all I got to say. Now, now, Kevin, Kevin, you're 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 older, like I am, than Dave. Uh, how do you think uh, Vince Lombardi would have handled? Uh, one of his tight ends coming <laughs> doing that doing that shit in one of the Packers playoff games. Well, I will say this, and that's a great question. I was thinking about that this morning uh, when I was just, just like having my coffee out on the patio, by the way, too bad in northern New Jersey and uh, it's beautiful down here. But uh, what I was thinking was two things there, Will. And, uh, of course, Vince, you would have such respect for – for Coach Lombardi, that you wouldn't do that. Right. But if you did snap, if something happened and you snapped and that happened, I think two things would have happened. I think, I think, uh, depending on who did it, Lombardi would have just sat his ass down. But the other thing that would have happened is one of the star players would have came in there and cleaned your clock. Yeah. Or an assistant coach. Or an yeah. assistant coach. Somebody, yeah. you know, Phil, yeah, was that guy that was always with Vince? Uh, Oh, he, he replaced them afterwards, too. I just watched the great Lombardi, uh, you know. Yeah, great somebody would have walked that player away from the coach and, and made sure that that player realized that he just really screwed up. Yeah. So, that, But, again, we've lost we've lost the ability to put people in their place anymore. And, uh, and, and Dave, I would recommend people go to your Facebook and see that and uh, different places, social media, where you put that because it's, it's always a good conversation. And uh, people don't want to have conversations anymore. They just want to immediately, and God forbid you say something, you know, about Shanahan not being, it, it, it's the truth. He was outcoached. He's been outcoached every time he gets there. And we see it every time. And it, 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 it it's, it's, it's almost to the point where I have to laugh because I watch a lot of football this year and I watch the Giants a lot. And I, I've been maintaining that, that Dable gets outcoached every week too. People were getting on my case about that early on because of the year he had last year when he had he had the horseshoe year where everything he did worked late or whatever. Yeah, uh, horseshoe up, horseshoe up your butt year, and uh, but this year he didn't have that. There's so these coaches in, in the NFL they're put on such a pedestal and there's such issues there. It's it's unbelievable. And they here's what I always did in spring training too with every every manager I covered. Um, uh, I would always sit down with them, and I would call it the keep it simple, stupid rule. Hey, if you're in the World Series and this comes up, what are you going to do here? And they all say, oh, of course I would. But then it gets to that point when these things actually happen. They make terrible – like if you sat down uh, Shanahan before, this, before the season and said, hey, here's your, here's your situation. To beat – to win the Super Bowl, you've got to get McCaffrey more involved on little dink passes. Are you going to do that? And yeah, of course I'm going to do that. But then they get in the game – and they and they freeze and and that's but it's great for me being a sports writer because it gives me a million things to write about because they're such dopes and uh, and I've said it all along that we it's and how about the fact too that Bochy had to sit out a bunch of years before he got let back in right and how about some of these guys becoming managers now and what have, what have they proven how about the GMs what have they proven 
One of the teams I'm watching closely this spring, I'll be, I'll, I might go down there next week. I might see you, Will, um, is the Mets. And I want to throw this out there because I know we're moving along quick because we got a lot to say today. But um, Pete Alonzo, first of all, I want to throw this at you too. Last three years, the, Pete Alonzo played 155 games averaged, okay? Uh, this other guy, he played 79 games he averaged, Mike Trout. Right. The best ability is availability. So here's my point on Pete Alonzo. The Stones came out yesterday and said basically they're not going to sign him because of the situation. And it's 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 obvious, you know, Boris is his guy. They could have went the extra mile and they could have made that offer out there. They could have had him signed. Could have done that a year ago. They have the richest owner around. They didn't get it done. So I'm thinking right now, if I'm the Mets, I'm trading Pete Alonzo. Yeah. I'm trading. Well, I'm not making the same mistake the Angels didn't. And I'll probably write about that for Ball 9 tomorrow. I'm not making the same mistake that the Angels did by not trading Otani when they should have traded Otani and get something back. And 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 they're, it's like they're afraid of hurting players' feelings. Well, you guys do what's best for the organization. So I think my recommendation right now for the Mets is to trade, trade Alonzo. Yeah, well, you know, Stearns could have a race to the bottom with uh, Milwaukee, you know, Dumping as much players as they can. It's, you know, I mean, if you don't, if you don't want to invest in a guy that shows up every day and does what you paid him to do and have paid him to do and brings a positive energy and he's a good teammate, um, and you don't want to pay him, then trade him. Exactly. <laughs> and you know, then you know, it, it, if you don't think he's worth what Boris is going to ask for. You know, and he probably isn't. But who is? Who who who's worth what they're actually paying these guys now? Yeah, Strasburg. Right? Strasburg was a a, a, yeah. a Boris client. Look look what the Nationals put him in a hole forever. Yeah, I mean, you know, un- unfortunately, we've we've we learned to, we never learned to say no years ago in the draft and the free agency thing. You know, a simple no would have. You know, and and if we were good at developing our own talent, then we wouldn't always have to worry about overpaying for talent, right? Because you would have a you would have this, as they always say, a conveyor, conveyor belt of talent. Yeah, so, and I think there's a great opportunity here too for uh, the Orioles with the new ownership coming in. Yeah. Now the other side of the coin, what do you do? They, they should go out tomorrow or whenever they have complete ownership when it's done. And one of the first things they should do is sign the catcher, Rutschman, for uh, whatever. Yep. You know, make him yep. an Oriole for the yeah. next seven years. Yep, no doubt. Teams no need doubt. to do that. Teams need to. Teams need to think ahead instead of instead of relying on super super genius analytic GMs who who if you let them uh, go too long, you wind up like uh, wind up like the, I'm going to say you wind up like the Dodgers. I haven't been to a full world, a full season World Series since 1988, and look what they had to do this year. And of course, they they might this might be their year. They certainly should get to the World Series, but you never know. That's a great thing about baseball. Uh, but they've relied. All these owners have relied on the super genius GM or president of baseball operations now, and they don't rely on the players that clearly make it happen. Right. And look what happens. And uh, that's why, uh, uh, you know, the Yankees win that, that hole. You know, they, well, they, they, and, and, and too many organizations 
buy into the baseball America top 100 oh, prospects. And, absolutely. And, 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 you know, it's like a futures game, but it's a shell game because they have to go out and play and perform. And those guys that are in the top 100 because they got drafted real high uh, after three years and they never perform, they drop out. And, but, you know, the owner goes, well, you know, what happened to so-and-so that, that, that we gave, 4.5 million to, and he was ranked in the top 30, you know, now he's kind of sucks. <laughs> you know, what, you know, what all, do we have here? All we're asking, I think, is to make it a meritocracy. And uh, the, in some ways I will compliment the 49ers here. Now they did that with Brock Purdy, Mr. Relevant. He moved up the ladder and he, and, but it also gives him a great opportunity because they have him on a, a, a low contract, a rookie contract for three years so they can spend the money elsewhere. But they finally figured out that this guy's better than everything else we had. Whereas yeah. baseball, it's much more difficult now, yeah. now more than ever, to be that Mike Piazza coming out of nowhere at the end of yeah. the draft to be a superstar. Think about the, the mistake that Brock Purdy's success covers up, though. They traded the farm for an analytics decision. Yes. Trey Lance, who only played, what, two college games? And, right. I mean, they traded a ridiculous amount. Purdy's success saved them probably financially but but also nobody's talking about Trey Lance anymore. Well, the other guy too, the other quarterback, G, Mr. G. Oh, yeah, Jimmy G. Yeah, same yeah. thing, tons of money. So they made two huge mistakes, but again, that's why I always say sometimes it's good to have the horseshoe up your butt, you yeah. know, and and yeah. uh, they, they they and Brock Purdy, you can see a Brock Purdy, you can see it in Mahomes first time I saw him. I saw it in the first time I saw Brady and I wrote about it. First time I saw Michael Jordan, I wrote about it. You can see certain guys you know, Brock Purdy's going to get better and better. He's going to, he's going to, and eventually he'll have the courage to say uh, what Brady was talking about. Like, coach, why are you calling this play? Let's do this. This is going to work much better. He, he's probably a little afraid to do that yet. Second year, you know, but uh, he's got to stand up and say, this play isn't going to work. You know, like the, like when they got down in overtime and they ran the ball into the line. You knew that play wasn't going to work. And even uh, Jim Nance, who is still top of the line, great announcer, yeah. said that play that play wasn't going to work. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. We see it, but they don't see it. But then again, that's uh, that's why we love sports. Yeah. Even with the, the plays that you were talking about, Kevin, where the, the, the running back comes out and kind of shows a block and decides, do I hold yeah, the block? Yeah, that's fancy. Romo was calling that in the booth. The whole, that's called their 21 series. He goes, I don't know why they don't just keep going back to that. Exactly. Well, they and, and that's basically what Kansas City scored on. Yeah. Winning touchdown. Right. You know, well, they had they had they had two versions of that. They had this, Kelsey a little bit on that one. Yeah, they would do Kelsey crossing or whatever, yeah. and then they would also do the, um, the you know they find the back and but the other version that they had was Mahomes just taking off and running because all the guys got their backs turned to him and they're not spying. They're not spying Patrick Mahomes. That's another keep it simple, stupid. Shanahan, why aren't you spying? Uh, and Wilkes, why aren't you spying Patrick Mahomes? You got to have one of your guys with him every step of the way. You know, even if it's a nickelback, I don't care how you do it. You got to get it done because that's the only way you stop Mahomes. And he got, he picked up those easy fourth downs or late downs, whatever they were, and he made it look easy. He could have ran for he could have ran every play. Sometimes that's the other thing in the NFL. You, what's working, you just stay with it. Vince Lombardi, Green Bay sweep. You yeah. know. That's 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 again they they've gotten too smart for themselves. It happens in San Francisco. I'm very, I'm really interested too. Uh, what what happens now with the um, 
because we're talking about San Francisco with, with, with the Giants. I mean, they haven't been able to give their money away. They finally got Soler today or yesterday, three years, $42 million. Uh, that's another team that outthinks itself too much. Remember, we heard uh, when Dr. Z came in as, as, as GM, president of baseball operations, that uh, – Smartest ever. Yeah, yeah, smartest guy ever. That's what uh, some of uh, my friendly writers, uh, guys I'm friends with, wrote. And um, and that's fine. They can have their opinion. Uh, but I'll tell you right now, he ain't the smartest ever. That's for sure. And, well, uh, you know, maybe they're smart at their Ivy League school and they're good at math and <laughs> – and and whatever they're studying, but you know, baseball isn't just you know book smarts. It's let me point out too. They let Bruce Bochy walk. They, they force yeah. Bruce Bruce Bochy out too. So that's another good thing. Right. That makes sense. But they're the smartest ever, and uh, you know, it, it's just uh, it's the world we live in now. I, I, my one of my most interesting free agents I want to mention is I'm really curious to see where JD Martinez signs. Uh, you know, yeah. if I'm Toronto, I would do that. Yeah, he had a hell of a year last year, but yeah, thirty-three hundred over hundred RBIs, and didn't have that many at bats. You know, he must be asking for more. You know, because more years uh, probably. Yeah, yeah, because they they ended up with Turner, who was taking less, right? Toronto yes. did. Yes. Yeah. And uh, is he a straight DH right now, JD? Yeah, he he's pretty much. Yeah, yeah, JD's a straight. You can get away a little with Turner in different yeah. places. Yeah. But JD's a straight, um, uh, you know, he, he just loves hitting, talks about it. He's a great guy to talk to about hitting. Oh, he can hit the ball. But I mean, there's a lot of teams that could use him, you know. Yeah. Um, um, so it's going to be a, it's going to be an interesting few weeks. But it's also let's not forget too, it hasn't changed that much because if you remember, um, a right when he was uh, when he was available, uh, he he didn't sign. With, with the Yankees that time until after the, after Valentine's Day. So yeah. we're in the same boat. So this, well, I think it's, Valentine's Day is the big day. I think after Valentine's Day, I think players and families get a little antsy. Yeah, and then we had the big production in Philadelphia down in Clearwater when Harper signed. Yep. Uh, that Shoot, I think that was either – February twenty eighth or March first or second when yeah and I think uh, I think happened. as we know Scott was that agent as well but, uh, oh, but yeah. that was a good signing to me I mean you got to get a guy who is so into it like Harper is and will do anything for a team um, uh, so so that's a good strong signing that's why I like uh, that's why I like J D Martinez I think he's one of those players and uh, we'll see where it goes but uh, these teams can make themselves so much better if they just looked at common sense and that's that's my whole point well, of this show you know you know kevin and dave and you know mark and i uh, do common sense pitching yes we talk about the value okay snell and montgomery and uh, the japanese yama yama nochi that signed you know, they're all making the same kind of money or asking the same kind of money that Bryce Harper's making. Now, which which one's more value? So we are not, you know, we're paying so much for so little on the pitching side that it's unbelievable. You know, and Jim Duquette pointed this out a couple of weeks ago. You know, we're paying 12 to $14 million a year for four or five starter innings now it's that's ridiculous. a joke it's, it's and, ridiculous 
Yeah. And, and and you have guys that are 500 pitchers that win 15 games that are asking for $30 million. And Bryce Harper's making $30 million, but he he answers the bell with Tommy John surgery and, and freaking DHs and, and, and car- puts the team on his back like an aircraft carrier. Well, the Yankees did it last year. They gave Vodan that money, yeah. big-time money. And he he wasn't there. He wasn't yeah. there. Now this year he's clearly in the best shape of his life, as they say. Yeah. And they why did it are. take a year to get to that point? You know, yeah, they they all are until they they show up. But um, you know, but it's it it's 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 so important that we as an industry need to realize that we got to develop our own pitching. And well, that's why I think Yamamoto is so interesting because. This is to me. This is the raising of the white flag by MLB yeah. and, and the yeah. guys running and all the all the pitching. I wrote about this last early last week a little bit about this. All these teams with the pitching labs just get worse and worse injuries, <laughs> and they keep pouring more money into these pitching labs. But Yamamoto to me is interesting. I, I look at him as a test case simply because he trains with like throwing the javelin, which is kind of like that neutral yeah. wrist thing we talked about in one of our previous shows. Uh, he trains with soccer balls. He trains like Ichiro trained. You know, Ichiro, uh, you, you guys know I had a good relationship with Ichiro. He had his own little training measurement. When are it's they going to wake up training-wise, too? And this might be a ten- if Yamamoto succeeds, I think you will see the uh, – it, it's almost counterproductive what you see with heavy baseballs and things like that yeah, now, although he may use them. I don't know. that I'm not that – I haven't followed him that closely. But if he's throwing a javelin and doing things like that, it's going to be, it could open up a whole new training world. And another example of what they've been doing forever doesn't work. Yet we keep paying the, and we keep hiring these GMs and these trees of GMs who don't win. Uh, I thought it was hilarious that Theo Epstein went back to the, uh, his, his timing is impeccable. Went back to the Red Sox when they, um, uh, you know, don't forget, this is the 20th anniversary, two fellows of the uh, 2004. So, uh, we'll see what he does there, but I know since he left, the Cubs have been a disgrace. So that's something. Well, to you know, uh, the, the 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 whole thing for a hundred years, baseball players didn't lift weights; they became flexibly strong by doing baseball things on the field, um, and they were able to answer the bell for 150, 160 games not by being in a weight room, but by being on a baseball field. And now we, we have more injuries than we ever had, but we spend more time in weight rooms uh, building bulk and bulk and bulk that, that muscles tear. They just well, it, uh, Pete Alonso, I just mentioned, uh, averaged 155 games the last three years. I did a story with him early on in his career. You know what he trained as, as a young uh, into his teenage years, and he probably still does taekwondo. Yeah. So again, that's not he's a big guy, but uh, uh, Josh Allen, another one. Josh Allen, I, I saw something with him the other day where he he has he 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 was making fun of himself. He has he was basically saying he has no defined chest. He has uh, he he doesn't overlift, but he keeps himself flexible where he can do all that stuff and he can throw the ball 70 yards like C.J. Uh, Stroud as well. Another guy who uses training mechanisms that are totally different than just going into a weight room. So look, look at Manning. There. It's out there. Look Manning at and Brady, they had concave chests. Like they, yeah, if you're looking at them, 
yeah. Look at uh, you, you know Mahomes. Mahomes, and, yeah. Mahomes. Oh, he's awful. Really, <laughs> you know, but he's flexibly strong. Uh, he's tough to bring down in the pocket, and he can throw from any angle with velocity and accuracy. So, uh, you, you know, it, it isn't how you look; it's how you play. Well, yeah. I've always said this. Game available. Yeah. I've I've always said this. We talk about having five-tool player, and, of course, then there's the talk about the six-tool. But I I also think there's seven tools. I think the seventh tool is is the A-tool, which uh, was not what we saw with Kelsey, With uh, if, if you can guess what the A-word starts there. But anticipation. To be a great athlete, you have to anticipate. Yeah. Do you look for that, Will, when you scout? Yeah, you know, it's 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 – you know, you uh, you guys remember me talking a little bit about Anthony Volpe. He always seemed to be at the right place at the right time in the game. Mm. He would get a big hit. He would make a big play defensively. And for, for, for his rookie year, yeah, he struck out too much, but he still answered the bell. He did a good job at shortstop. He didn't hurt them defensively. You know, he hit a little. He he struggled a little bit offensively, but overall, you know, uh, he he's going to be a good player because he does a lot of little things to help you win. Uh, watching Jackson Holiday last year, Evan Carter, yeah, you know, Evan Carter. Got you know, you know, kids that kids that pay attention to detail and uh, play hard, and you know, uh, are coached well, and you know they're. They're, they're in the right place at the right time. That's not by luck. That's by knowing where to be at the right time. Don't, don't you have to be permitted to think, though, in order to yeah, develop anticipation? You can't be that quarterback going to the line, being told what to do, and not being permitted to read the defense. I mean, that's no, in sports and in life. No, there's there, there's no doubt. I You know, you guys always hear me say it. If I cheated on a test, I never learned anything. But if I studied and knew where knew what the answers were, I learned that for my life. That became something that I learned because I worked at it. But if if somebody in an office in an analytics department is telling you how to play every day, you're never learning how to play. And it seems like they're adding more and more bodies to front offices where they are the strategist. Yeah. The players used to be a strategist. I just saw the Marlins hired another strategist, pitching yeah. strategist. Uh, and they come down and basically – they may do strategy, but they tell the pitcher how to pitch. And so there's no, I think it's a, it's kind of productive. And I didn't mean to cut you off there, Will. You were going to say no. something about Jackson Holiday, what you saw. Tell us what you saw. In oh, that. no, he, you know, he just, you know, he grew up around the game. So he has a good feel for the game. His father's very engaged in his life. He knows how to play the game. He always seemed to be, he'd have a sense of what pitchers were trying to do with him at the plate. He just very, very, mature for a 19-year-old kid that had just signed when I saw him last year. Well, yeah, I also was very impressed with his father whenever I talked hitting with him. And oh, with yeah. Matt, and, uh, Matt, he seems to be a great hitting coach as well. Yeah, and he's a great father. And um, his kids, he has a great relationship with his kids. They're respectful. They work their asses off. Um, you know, it's, it is what it is, you know. Is his rise but, rare? I mean, he didn't struggle at one level. Uh, you know, I told, told you guys, he might've been one of the best young 
all-around baseball players I ever scouted on the field. Just wow. that he could do whatever he wanted to do, um, a la Ichiro and Tony Gwynn at the plate, where if you say, hey, turn on some balls and hit them out, he could do that. Hey, use the field and hit line drives all over, he can do that. Just had a great feel for the barrel, great feel for what people were trying to do with him. He ran the bases well. He ran the bases hard. He instinctively made plays at shortstop and would always seem to be in the right place and made all the plays. Just, he was a pleasure to watch. Uh, I saw him two different six-game series, uh, one in high A ball and one in double A, and it was fun to watch. Really fun to watch. Well, that's another example of what I call the, the, the horseshoe factor. Uh, Michael Elias is very, you know, that, that's a horseshoe pick right there. You're just lucky to be in that spot to be able to pick him. It's not genius. Yeah. Well, you know, he picked it. You know, one, one thing I will say is um, they've done a good job at getting kids with really good makeup. That's good. You know, that's good. Ad, good. Adley Rushman, tremendous leadership, not only ability, but leadership. Uh, Gunnar Henderson, not only ability, but come, come to play and beat your ass every day. Um, Jackson Holiday, same, same type of kid, just a wonderful kid. Comes to work hard, comes to play hard, wants to win. Um, so, you know, that's important. You know, well, that tells me they're listening to maybe their scouts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and and, and Mike played in college, and yep. he's been around the game. He scouted as an area scout for a while with the uh, Astros, of course. Yeah, well, he was with the Cardinals actually originally. And That's right. I think Joe McCauley probably had something to do with helping yeah, him. Yeah, probably. You know, I think Joe was his cross checker when he first started. So, um. You know, and the Cardinals were a makeup organization. George Kissel was their mm-hmm. longtime minor league guy, and um, those are things that you know that that's wisdom that he gained not only in school as an Ivy League kid, but being a baseball player and then working around good baseball people. So that's great insight. That's great insight. Thanks, Will. That was good. That's why we do this show. We want people to learn. It's not you. Just like my stories on the super genes, this is not, uh, we're not just talking off the top of our head here. There's a lot of, uh, there's probably uh, between us, uh, all three of us, you know, over a hundred years of experience on all different levels. And by the way, Dave, I got to mention, I, I've been watching a little, because uh, again, my goal is never to watch a commercial. Um, um, I watched, I watched a lot last night of the Lehigh Bucknell game, uh, basketball, men's basketball. It's uh, it's rough out there right now. That's all I can say when I'm watching yeah, some of these college games. Same thing's going on in every sport, just a different ball. It's uh, that joystick effect, the the GPS effect that, that, that you call it, where these, you know, and you, you probably see it in, in writing too, where when oh. you look at these articles that are being put out there, they're all derivatives of one another. And then outside of yourself, who's writing as a human, it's almost like, AI is running everything, whether it's a, a point guard for Bucknell or a quarterback for, you know, in the NFL or, you know, a pitcher, um, it, you know, I, you, you see it in writing as well. And that's why your stuff's so refreshing because it's like, okay, actually a human wrote this, spent time researching it, talked to other humans, you know, drew, drew in the human element and like, you know, there's actual feeling and emotion in this thing. And well, uh, what you're seeing now is it's a shame to see and it's sad to see for me 
But you're seeing now a lot of sports writing is just watch. Like I mentioned the other day, but it, it's getting worse and worse. And the Super Bowl, Super Bowl is a prime example of it. Uh, just reacting to tweets or reacting to something on TV or reacting to a TV commentator. When did we start being, you know, when did Stephen A. Smith become a beat? You know, where you cover that or, and I'm just using Stephen A. Cause he's a prominent one out there, but you know, uh, and I, I love the Pat McAfee show, but I see so many stories now, you know, uh, on, on the Pat McAfee show, whereas they're not doing their own homework to get, whereas Pat McAfee is actually talking to people and, and still getting slammed for some reason. But he's uh, he's actually, uh, you know, you see sides of athletes on his show that are very interesting right. because he's, he's putting in the time to get them to know them as people and, uh, you know, uh, you know, Puka Nakua, that was a great interview you had recently. And uh, But most sports writing now is none of that. It's just it's just reacting to something that was done on TV, said on a tweet. And my favorite thing is when they're – and, again, it's, it's good that I'm out now with, with, out, of, out of where I was because I would have fought back and probably would have gotten fired because I would have said, you want me to quote this anonymous Twitter person or – X person uh, as as a, like a, a legitimate person. Now it's one thing to quote sources anonymously, you're protecting your sources, but some guy named you know um, you know cat dog. I'm just going to say uh, is on Twitter says something about whether it's Kelsey or Mahomes or or um, Aaron Judge, and you want me to quote this guy or or you know. Uh, or person, or it's, it's it's really sad, and so I I would be very um, I don't know what to teach in J school anymore, but it ain't that. What would um, there were a lot of questions that could have been asked, and we we went through some of the narrative early on. But if you you were at that press conference post game, would you have let that altercation go, Kelsey Andy Reid? Would you have let Shanahan out of that room without asking him those tough questions about play calling and whatnot? Oh, my first question to Shanahan, and I've been I've been in that room. I was yeah, out there with with Jim Harbaugh and stuff when things were happening, and and uh, you know obviously all the football coaches and and uh, you know first of all you got to hope you get called on because that's another thing that's happened. It's it's not like they do in the commercials where they're all yelling. You know, it's not that anymore. It's like there's a there's a administrator, a PR guy who's Control. usually running running the mic. So. You have to get called on. So if I were called on, uh, what I would have done to Shanahan would be uh, my question to Shanahan would have been just what I what I said here. Um, you you uh, I would have set it up this way. You had the great uh, long uh, you know long run with with McCaffrey, uh, you know, on the little dink pass. How come how come you didn't go to that play more often? And just leave it at that. Don't you don't don't give him an either or, or and let him answer the question. You know whether whatever he wants to say. As for Andy Reid, I would or Kelsey, I would say, my question to Kelsey would be would be, and this is how I would put him on the spot. Uh, I would say, I would let him. I would say, how embarrassed are you now by your uh, what you did to your coach there? Are you are you uh, are you in in what way? How, how ashamed are you on a scale of one to ten? And let him react. That that would get an answer. Yeah, that's why I was disappointed no. with him after. I know he's a. Uh... I don't have I don't have expectations for him, so it's hard to be disappointed in his behavior. But having done that, but then having a little bit of time and space after the game, or maybe his I'm sure he has a publicist now that he's so popular that would get in his ear and say, Hey, you need to on the same platform. Get ahead of it. They always say get yeah. ahead of it. Get yeah. ahead of it. Hey, I 
I that's part of the game, and I, I if I could do it over, I'd do it different because Andy deserves better than that. Exactly. You know, how hard is that? I always tell you guys about how good my high school football program was and my coaches. And we had a lot of really good players. And like I said, at one point we had seven or eight guys in the NFL uh, playing at the same time in the late eighties and early nineties. And um, one time, one of our very good players lost his cool and he, you know, said something to the coach and, uh, as you said, Dave, earlier, uh, one of the assistant coaches came over, sat him down on the bench, told him he wasn't going to play the whole rest of the first half. And when he came in uh, at the end of the first half, when we were sitting in the locker room, to get back on the field, he had to come in and apologize to everyone on the team for his behavior, his selfish behavior and apologize to the coach and the coaches and ask if it was okay if he could play. Yeah, um, that's, that's the way it used to be done, but uh, no more. You know, and just, you know, like you said, Kevin, you know, just say, hey, were you embarrassed and did you apologize to Andy for your for – Exactly. For your anger, your, your, your angry outburst, which was uncalled for. Totally uncalled for, and, and but but too many times the questions are uh, you know they don't they don't put them in a situation where they have to answer it honestly. That's why if you lead in with how ashamed of you or you are you right now of, of your actions right then and there. Now let him answer. He could say I'm not ashamed at all. It was a spur of the moment thing. Uh, he did a moment thing, or he could say you know what I my bad. I messed up there, and I'd like to apologize to the coach. But yeah. Yeah. That's all it takes is to ask that question that way. But because too often now we're giving the either or question, the long winded question, uh, or they just totally avoid it. And they don't, you know, because uh, you worry to get picked upon, you know, hey, the NFL has a lot of insiders. I mean, but, they, they, you know, I've known Adam Schefter since he was uh, when I covered the Chargers and he covered the Broncos. You know, he's a good reporter. Um, I think he would ask a solid question, you know. But we've we've gotten to the sideline reporter world where if you notice it, most times sideline reporters don't 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 ask those questions. Like the sideline reporter, and again, I didn't watch it that closely. I was going back to the golf. I don't know if they had a sideline reporter all over it during the uh, during no, the year. No, it, it was kind of glossed over, but it was uh, you know, it's just you know for. That team, they throw around the L word. They love each other. They yeah. love Andy. They love they they love Kelsey. They love Mahomes. They love the defense. They love all the coaches. Well, when you love somebody, then you 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 and you do something like that. You need to go go apologize to them. And hopefully Honestly. he did. You know, maybe that all happened in private. Yeah. You know, maybe they didn't air their laundry on TV or whatever. But, you know, Kevin, you told me towards the end that it was becoming uh, in, in baseball and in any of your coverage that it was uh, anybody was going to ask any tough questions wasn't going to get called on. Exactly. Cases. And it would, it, it's just like our politics where everything becomes scripted and that there's a scripted question, a scripted answer that that's not the truth. And then we go. Oh, well, that's kind of what they said, but I don't see it that way. Well, the other side of that coin, too, is you, there's always an opportunity. This is a, for young reporters, if anyone care to be actual reporters. Um, 
when that press conference ends, you follow them and you, 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 you throw the question out yeah. and yeah. you, 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 you track, you got to have some, some area where you can get to them and you ask that question and, uh, and, and you don't say, you know, it's like way back when, when I was having a rough patch with, uh, with, um, uh, Alex Rodriguez, when A-Rod was kind of jerky, uh, there was a period there and I, and I like A-Rod. I think he loves the game. I think he'd be a great yeah. GM. Um, but I was standing in the Yankee, the old Yankee clubhouse and I was standing next to Dan Shaughnessy and I've known Dan forever from the Boston Globe. And like I said, A-Rod and I were having our issues at that time. So I, on purpose, and again, this is what writers don't do anymore. I said it in a loud voice. It was a kind of a, a middle of the clubhouse, but the guys had to walk past us. And I knew if I would walk past us to like drop something off or throw his dirty clothes away or whatever. So I put myself in that position where he would have to walk by me. And as he started walking by me, I, um, I said it in a very loud voice so he could hear it. I said, watch Dan, I'll say hi to, I'll say hi to Alex here and he won't even say hi back. (laughs) So, (laughs) so, so Alex walks by and he obviously heard what I said. And, uh, I go, hi Alex. And he goes, and he heard what I said, so he goes, "Oh, hello, Kevin. How are you today?" <laughs> so, so, so that kind of broke the ice, and we kind of got back and everything like that. But you got to call these guys out. I mean, uh, that, that's what they're paying you for. You got to have an ability to write, but you also got to have, like, like Dave said, you got to have a human relationship with these guys. And if a guy wants to be a jerk, let him be a jerk, but just report that he's a jerk. It's not that hard. Well, I, I think with with your guys' insight too, and, and it's it's kind of a nice. Uh, segue into we're going to have experiences offered to our audience where they can actually ask you guys questions uh, by video to, you know, to, 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 to pay it to have, I got to ask AMBS a reporting question or a journalist question. So we're going to offer that up to our audience as well. Same thing with, with scouting, pitching, um, the, the different uh, tools that you guys bring to your everyday life. So we're going to offer that up individually to our audience. Obviously they'll, they'll pay for the experience, uh, but, uh, <laughs> well, we don't know. We'll see. Um, but, uh, so. Well, one other point on that, Dave, it doesn't even have to be how to do the job. But I remember I one of the, you know, I do a lot of uh, interviews, podcasts, uh, radio interviews. And, and, you know, guys like Bob Dibble are always good at asking questions and uh, uh, guys on FAM when I get on there and stuff like that. But one of the more interesting uh, interviews I did one time, I forget who it was with even, but it was a. It, I think it was a podcast, but this the the host had like um, fifteen baseball cards, and he just would randomly pick one. He might have had you know he picked fifteen in, in in the course of the conversation, but he had a whole bunch of baseball cards. So he would just pull out a baseball card and ask me about that player, and and it spanned many years, obviously. But I for just about every player, I had a story. So that's uh, so it's not just about how the job, but what you know what this guy was like, you know, uh, Andy Hawkins. So let's just, uh, you know, remember Andy Hawkins, the pitcher. Yeah, Padres. yeah. So I'm in, I'm in spring training with Andy and I like Andy, but I knew he was a little bit of a, you know, I don't know if he's from Texas, but he had that little mindset. And, uh, so I'm going into the cl- clubhouse one day early in the morning and, uh, the word got out that I came from New York. So that some of the, some of the players were a little defensive. So, so he pulled me aside as I get into the clubhouse and, uh, he goes, hey, hey, I just want to let you know, none of that New York shit is going to work here in San Diego. So um, I, I looked at him. I said, Hawk, 
I'm just going to let you know that you worry about pitching and I'll do my job. And, uh, and so that's how you do it. Yeah. We gave him the New York stuff right back at him. Right at him with, <laughs> with like, I'm not going to back down. And right. You don't want to make it worse. And Hawk, but if you pitch well, you know, uh, I'll certainly record, you know, I'll be there to report it. And uh, it's, this is in other words, it's not a me problem. It's a you problem. Yeah. You know, he, pe- I mean, people bang on, on, the, the crew and he was fine, company. by the way. After that, he was fine with me. Well, you said him, you put him right in his place. Yeah. I think that's what that, like you said, that's what people need. They, uh, but you know, people bang on Pete Rose's uh, antics and how he responds to stuff. I loved him as a player. Loved him, but he was great with the reporters. He 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 got it. He loved the guys. He's still great when you go yeah. up to, if you go to Cooperstown. You got to fight the. Uh, he always he always does his signings in the back room at his one place. They have security there for obvious reasons. So you got to fight through security. But I remember myself, uh, not you know, a number of years ago, but not too long ago, myself, Bob Nightingale, and Scott Miller, we wanted to all do a Pete story. So we all went in, you know, strength in numbers. Three of us went in there. And, you know, Pete began to, you know, at first it was like, uh, you know, blowing us off. By the end of the 20 minutes, he was telling us the funniest stories in the world. And and insight. Insight on player. He's a, he's a – He's a, yeah, he's a big better, but he also understands how players think and stuff like that. And uh, those those are the kind of guys you want to interview. That's why even now with, um, you know, uh, like a Sheffield, who could be a problem uh, for some people, never a problem for me because you just uh, – you, you ask him a direct question. That's the biggest thing I would like to say. They've lost the ability to ask the direct question, the short question. It's all about them asking the question as opposed to about let, let me just get a uh, – let me just get an answer here. So, uh, well, yeah, you know, you know, to me, uh, like you said, Kevin, a lot of young younger reporters are very lazy. Uh, they don't know the game very well, so they don't ask very good questions. Well, they and, also, and, yeah, and, you know, just be, you know, like I, I've been interviewed my whole life. Yeah, good reporters ask good questions that make yep. you think. And they, you're, they're trying to get some insight into what, what I did as a player, what I maybe did as a coach, or what I'm doing as a scout, and what I see, and that's all it, it is. And you know, now like you see, like a lot of questions, you go, "Gosh, that's a bullshit question." What, 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 what answer is that? I mean, there is no answer. So you know, why even ask it? A lot of times, I can't even understand the question. Yeah, exactly. It's well, that's because it's most of those hypothetical type, most, about a hypothetical. It's all hype, exactly. And then, what's your answer? The answer is that's hypothetical. I'm not answering that. So, see, exactly. so you can't you can't deal in hypothetical. That's another thing I was I would recommend to, to reporters: don't deal in hypotheticals. Deal in reality. That's why you ask the shame question. And the uh, and the other thing, with, but those again, there's a lot of great reporters out there. They work very hard, do a great job. Uh, there are certain guys who just talk to maybe the assistant GMs and get their comments. So they don't know. They become um, they become front office guys. So, uh, there's certain certain reporters are players guys where they know how to ask questions and players get good good responses out of them. Uh, you know, Jason Stark. You know, is a good example. He, uh, you know. He'll ask a question. He'll, he'll bring up something kind of interesting. And mostly, most the other thing is that these these most of these players like to be engaged and talk about their job. Yeah. I've seen some really bad reporters at least give the effort of 
asking questions and they became much better reporters because to their credit, they didn't, they didn't, they, they didn't stop asking questions, even though they may have asked some dumb questions. I also will add this. It's always good sometimes to have a dumbass question or a dumbass reporter in the middle of it to ask a dumbass question because because it it might set the guy off and give you an answer out of something that you you know it was so dumb it gets a good answer. <laughs> Love it. Well, we got we kept you guys for got hour and almost hour and ten minutes. So how do we want to wrap today? I'm done. You're <laughs> drop the mic, the new mic. But uh, how about you? Well, anything you want to leave the audience with today? No, it was a it was a great great uh, opportunity to be on with you guys as always and. Uh, Hopefully it doesn't snow here in Delaware. I don't feel like shoveling snow today. I don't blame well, I you. I want to ask one last thing. When, when do we start naming winter storms? What, what's that all about? You know, it's again, I, I hate to be the guy, but I was the guy. So, you know, we used to love snowstorms to go to school and throw snowballs at each other. And even at the school bus, I remember that. I used to be a target, uh, you know, when it would come down the street and, uh, now, uh, these kids, it seems like they're, they're putting fear in every situation of life. They're taking something that used to be fun. You know, again, they would never allow your kid to do it now. But I used to like to walk to school in a snowstorm. It was fun. It was yeah. fun. We you know? used to get on the bumpers. and oh, <laughs> You'd walk with your, you'd, you'd be with your friends. You'd have fun. And, maybe, and then maybe you get out of school a little bit early. So you have fun there. Now it's like I, I feel for these kids because oh my god it's winter storm Lorraine oh we're in L already you know come on it hasn't snowed in New York in two years basically so come on relax you know uh, you guys may think this is silly we we got cautious of that with our kids when my wife and I started our family with even little things like calling it bad weather and my and yesterday down here we got torrential downpours um, in, in Myrtle and my daughter Harper and I um, have never missed a rainstorm anytime it rains we go out and play in the rain. She loves it. Uh, doesn't see it as bad weather. People in the neighborhood think we're absolutely nuts. <laughs> but uh, we were out there. She's like, come on, it's raining out. And uh, so we were out there running around in the rain yesterday, her and I. Thank God I'm not, you know, sick and neither is she. But, uh, yeah, we it's it's something that we caught early on with our kids not calling things bad weather because they uh, right away they want to stay inside. They don't, you know, it's, there's something, as you said, fearful about what the hell's going on. It was just water. and uh, Exactly. And actually – I read something about this with walking and 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 um, and and running. I don't run, but I'm a walker here and there. Uh, and sometimes it's good to walk in different kinds of weather. It gives you a different perspective. So you walk in the rain. You take a walk out in the rain. It's, it's not going to kill you. We did that yesterday. That was a good show today, guys. Hour hour ten. We gave our audience a ton to grab onto and appreciate your guys' efforts. And want to thank our jaw bats. Remember to use RBG at checkout. Get your your percentage off a brand new maple bat. Uh, Tanner used his is using his now lefty righty M110 model. Fry hit a double down at fantasy camps. As I told him, it's got to work. Pull side double, that bat's got to work. Pay attention to us on millions. Our merchandise dropped today. I am working on the dry fits for our Florida contingency. And to our hosts, I know I'll get your guys stuff. Make sure you get me your sizes, hats, shirts, sweatshirts. So I can get you get you some gear down to to where you're at. And won't see you guys uh, tomorrow, but Valentine's Day tomorrow to our audience. Don't forget Valentine's Day. Significant other, nice real voice of the game hat always goes goes over well, I think, for Valentine's Day. But thanks, guys. I appreciate your your efforts today. Episode four forty eight, the real voice of the game, Coach and Kern, and that's a wrap. American girls and American-
American guys, we'll always stand up and salute. We'll always recognize when we see old glory flying. There's a lot of men dead, so we can sleep in peace at night when we lay down our heads. My daddy served in the army, we lost his right eye, but he flew a flag out in our yard till the day that it 